everybody. We are excited to be together and we are live in Sparks YouTube room again, live today. Two weeks in a row, people. Woohoo! <laughs> so, um, so you can comment down below. We're going to be able to see those comments live and be able to connect with you all. And, and um, also, oops. Oh, wait. What? <laughs> wait, what's oops? What? I was just, you can paste your comments into the YouTube that we're in the middle of the, <laughs> we've clearly rehearsed this well. We're live. Um, when a Child Asks series is our opening, uh, this today is our opening uh, message for that particular series. And then if you would like to, as Daniel was saying, put your comments or questions into the YouTube comments. We're going to be monitoring all that. But then also you can text them to me and there's my number, 650-455-2326. And we will uh, take those, uh, depending upon the question and how you guys are interacting, we'll take those throughout the message time today, but we will also be able to address some of those things at the end as well, because when it is a series on asking questions, of course, everyone should be asking some questions. So, Yay. So we have two comments already that you love live service, and that's great. And also, <laughs> um, I, we're doing like a mirror image thing. So if you see me moving here, it's because I'm actually trying to figure out how to move over here, and I've only just figured that out. So that's, that's my live experience. Yeah. Okay. So we're alive um, in part because we wanted to have a conversation about this new series that we're starting and we're going to introduce that series and um, try to explain it all to you, what we're, what's kind of been in our collective um, brain and mind of the Spark Leader teachers. Um, and then also we wanted to be able to have a time to interact with you all live um, because um, after events like this week, you know, when you're managing a pandemic and an insurrection, sometimes you would really like to be together with your fellow sisters and brothers um, in a room. And so we can't quite do that together because pandemic, um, insurrection, mostly pandemic. So um, just the pandemic. Uh, then this is our best sort of next step. Um, yeah. And I think um, <laughs> just to reiterate, when we are together on a regular basis like this, and especially in small groups and things like that, just know that you are not just watching a service or you're not just, you know, watching a screen from wherever you might happen to be. You're actually contributing to the community. We've said this before. We'll say it again. Um, even though we can't see you, your comments that you share and your text messages, uh, and maybe some of you are sharing messages with one another, that is so life-giving to this community because, you know, the number one thing in the garden was it was not good for humanity to be alone. And so especially in times like this, it is really important for us to be together. And unfortunately, we have to do it over this digital medium. So your comments and your um, notations and texts and all that stuff are adding to our community together. So thank you for not just watching the service, but contributing and participating in our gathering together. Yes. And for all of you who did that, um, for, through the worship and the prayer time and the welcome and number one commandment and blessings and everything else. Thank you as well as you continue to create spark and be sparky with one another. Yeah. Okay, so I think our first question that we would really like you to interact with online is, how are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? I honestly don't really know how to answer that question. I think uh, I will I will say this. Um, I have a, a pretty, I think, distant relationship with social media, with like Facebook and Twitter, for some of you know. Um, but this particular week, I started doom scrolling, I think, for the first time in I don't know how long. Just could not 
uh, keep away from the news and trying to figure out what was going on and uh, listening to various voices of leadership from all sorts of different spectrums, trying to analyze and try to um, not just soak in new information or try to um, understand what was going on, but to try to discern, I think, the spirit of the moment, which um, I'm still processing. And then I'm an introvert. So welcome to, you know, Spark absolutely welcomes people of all different persuasions. And we have a lot, <laughs> we have a lot of introverts in our community that I know will appreciate this. I'm a three-day thinker. It takes me a long time to really process all the nuances of everything. I, I'm, I run through sociology and psychology and neurobiology and theology, and I, I have to go through each one. So it takes me a long time to process. So how am I doing? I don't know yet. I, I'll find out probably in about three weeks whether or not... <laughs> I, I did okay during this week. So, how are you, Pastor Daniel? Well, I just want to say that I affirm your doom scrolling um, because I think that that's probably something that a whole bunch of other people also have been doing. Um, we've been sort of glued to the news. And if you're in a household that doesn't have, you know, television up or 24-hour news up, then you've maybe been paying attention to, you know, newspaper journalism, print journalism, or, you know, other you know, PBS NewsHour, NPR, or Twitter, or whatever it might be online, or Facebook. Um, and so we understand that part of our frenetic energy this week has been spent trying to figure out what's happening and what's going on and, um, and is anyone going to do anything about it. Um, and I think, too, right, like, so, so what's the plan? How, how are we going to be able to respond to, to what we've seen that's so disturbing? Can, yeah. can I Go also, um, I'm so sorry, this was, this, this just came to mind while you were talking. I, last week when I'm we... I'm not the only verbal processor. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, so last week I mentioned the book, All We Can Save, which is on climate change. And um, uh, I mentioned that there was a chapter in there that was one of my favorites, which was on mental health. And the basic summation of that chapter, which was uh, really powerful for me, is that oftentimes, for example, when people come back from war and they are diagnosed with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, the way in which we normally conceptualize mental health ailments is to diagnose that person. And what this chapter in the book was talking about is reversing that. What if instead of thinking about that person having PTSD, what if we thought about the fact that war is so jacked up that it is not truly the context that humanity is supposed to live and thrive in. So rather than medically mm -hmm. diagnosing mm -hmm. mental health uh, mm -hmm. ailments mm -hmm. or um, uh, with the person, why don't we change and flip the script and look at the greater issues that are causing those challenges for many people? I feel like a similar principle uh, should be thought about and applied today. It's like if you're feeling anxiety or stress, if you're feeling deep concern, um, there is a tendency towards individualizing that and saying, well, let, let's, let's, you know, how, do you, how can you do self-care? But I think part of, and, and I think we're going to get to this in some of the prepared remarks, part of this is stepping back and looking at, this is not normal. <laughs> and this kind of societal structure that we find ourselves in the tensions and the challenges is not the way that God intended it to be. And so therefore, of course, for all of us who are suffering from either anxiety or stress or real concern, 
it's not us who are crazy. <laughs> it is, we are living within the context that is really challenging, that obviously affects our mental health um, and our ability to maintain groundedness. That's why we need each other during times like this. Um, and that's why we need to encourage one another with words. I so appreciated Pastor Marcus's um, uh, sharing in his time, Pastor Mark's grounding in the Psalms. Uh, you know, those, those moments are really critical to us. Yeah. So anyway, that just came to mind while you were right. sharing. And, and for those of you who were unable to join our prayer time on Wednesday, um, and then we just had another prayer time, Pamela continues to lead a prayer time every Thursday uh, midday, and we have some more coming your way. And also, of course, you can always connect with pastors. So please reach out to one another. Um, grab a small group if you don't have one yet. We can help you find one. There's several that are looking for some new members. Um, and then also you can um, connect with each one of us. So again, all of the things that happened um, this week that weren't normal, that caused you to feel not normal, that's normal. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, so if you felt unfocused, um, unproductive, couldn't like really do your job as well on Thursday, Friday, or um, have been a little bit tense or short with your spouses or partners or family members, or just feeling a little bit frazzled and ungrounded, welcome. You are in a, a place where we understand how that is. And even as pastors, um, yes, pastors too, uh, in preparation for today, I think there's been like, what, what do I say to this moment, right? Um, and so here's some of our ideas. And we would like to interact with you guys all on all of that. Um, so <clears throat> on this Sunday, when we once again, sparkers, we find ourselves responding to disturbing events in our nation and in our world, when we once again respond to the co-opting of the name of Jesus um, into movements of violence and abuse, when we once again see this, the symbols of our faith um, held up by those who are pursuing violence and abuse and racism and white nationalism and supremacy and neo-Nazism, when all of that is happening, I think there's a tendency to say, this isn't who we are. And I want to just say, in part, I think it's who we don't have to be. Uh, but uh, Reverend Jackie Lewis, uh, pastor of Middle Church in New York, that recently the church experienced a very traumatic event and, yeah. um, and a massive fire happened there and they continue to lead their community quite well. She said uh, today or this week, um, let's never say we've never been here before because we have. And don't say this isn't America because in fact it is. White rage and grievance is dangerous, and if we don't tell the truth about it, we'll never be able to reconcile it. And I think that that is an important place to, to be, that we can say, we've been here before. Um, God willing, we won't be here again. Maybe we'll finally learn our lesson, but the myth of progress that a lot of us are in, where we kind of just feel like, no, we already did white nationalism, and then we had the civil rights movements. So now we don't do that anymore. Like we already decided after World War II, anti-Semitism bad. So we already decided Nazis bad, let's not do that anymore. And so we have this myth of progress that we think that we are better than this, this isn't who we are. And I think that a lot of us who may be historians or persons who've been um, very concerned for the last several years or um, members of our community who are people of color or member, our Jewish brothers and sisters, our Muslim brothers and sisters who've been experiencing Islamophobia, um, they are saying, no, this has been our experience of America and this is who we are. And so I think we need to hold that voice and hold space for that voice and listen to that and not just be so quick to sort of say, um, I'm I'm not with those people and, and those are not my people and I'm we, we have to, 
um, try to reconcile some of that. The other side of that has been really hopeful for me this week is um, this wonderful writer, speaker, theologian. If you don't uh, follow his work, you can. His name's Dante Stewart. And he said this, when your Christianity is about love, liberation, justice, and hope, and your faith forms you into practices that work to create a better world, then you don't have to create a way, like out of whole cloth, create a way to respond when hatred shows up again. Your Christian faith is already prophetic, not performative. And that was so helpful to me to hear that because I do feel like in some ways we've been here before. Obviously, these events are new and shocking and distinct and different. And we we haven't been here before in many ways. Um, But we recognize that there are things here that are part of our American story, part of our human story that need attending to and that we have not done a good job of that as a nation, as a church. Um, But then there are also things that we've done here at Spark sort of since the beginning because of our values that are all founded in the way of Jesus, um, which is our mission and purpose is to inspire people to live in the way of Jesus. Uh, Because of those values of love, uh, reputation of God, reconciliation, rescue and resurrection, because of the work we've been doing and sort of orbiting around those values and around the person of Jesus, um, we also don't find ourselves unprepared for this moment or having never dealt with white supremacy before or having never dealt with anti-Semitism before or whatever the or violence or abuse and those things we've we have talked about this quite a bit at Spark so um, Spark I want to just let you know that everything in between is okay Um, to feel deep concern um, to feel uh, that that prophetic words need to be spoken and that change needs to happen is okay and also to be grateful that um, you you maybe have found places within uh, your Christian faith um, that you have found a home um, maybe at Spark maybe at other places all are welcome at Spark um, regardless of party regardless of who you voted for all people are welcome at Spark um, and, and we do that because of the number one commandment to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself and to even love those that we may consider enemies. Um, and so all of that is welcome. Sorry. All behavior is not welcome at Spark because we are also committed to those values of love and reconciliation, but all are welcome. So in that, we're grateful that you're here and you found this. Hopefully you found a home here. And I'm grateful for each one of you that have allowed us to be a space where we wrestle and talk and continue to pursue Jesus and pursue justice and love. Do you want to add anything to that? No, uh, Allison was wondering about the uh, prayer time, and I think uh, Arlette was. All of that should be at spark.church on the front page. There's a button there that you click to join the prayer group team. Uh, And if that's not working, please just send me an email. And I think um, Stacy already mentioned that Helen is on that team as well. So if you have any... All of that stuff should be on the website, should be. But again, if if I've let, if um, there's some sort of administrative uh, delinquency there, just let me know. And also was in the email this week that went out. And in the and the weekly and in the weekly emails, yeah. So if you're not signed up for the weekly emails, we try to put the links directly into those emails every single week. So it's pretty simple and straightforward for you as well. So with I think a little bit of that um, early introduction and um, detour off what we had planned this Sunday. um, Now I actually think it leads quite well into what we had planned this Sunday, which is that we want to introduce our new series called When a Child Asks, Embracing Curiosity. Um, And so we wanted to give you a little bit of background behind this series and let you know what we are dreaming of and hoping for as we 
uh, consider it, and then we're going to tackle kind of our first question together, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so here's what we're thinking. A lot of us have been following Jesus for a long time. Some of us have just only joined the, the church recently, joined the Jesus movement recently. And so we still find ourselves asking questions, maybe questions that we asked a long time ago, but want to re-ask and re-answer again. Or we find ourselves asking questions for the very first time. And when we do that, I think some of us who've found ourselves maybe in more, in different Christian settings previously, um, we kind of find ourselves going, well, is that still the same answer? Like, am I still saying yes to this or no to this or how these things sort of go through? And some of you have said to me over the years, gee, how do I answer my kid? My kid's going to say, hey, am I going to heaven, for example? And then the parent has said to me, I don't know if I want to answer that the same way that I was raised because I was raised with this deep fear of hell and it kind of freaked me out and I don't want to do that again. I don't really want my kid to. So we have had these conversations. How do we talk about that, right? Putting your kid down to bed. Right. You have to say the prayer, otherwise you'll end up in hell. Right. Have a good night, sweetie. Right. All of the people, <laughs> people don't really want to do that. Um, so trying to figure those things out. And that's kind of what precipitated our idea for this conversation. And the first, do you want to say anything more about our series and where we're launching with that? Well, I have a couple thoughts. Please. But, uh, do you want to yeah, jump right into Yeah, then I'll jump to the next thing. Yeah. I think... Um, there, there's a lot of things. I think questions, for those of you who have been around Spark, you know questions are not just welcome, they're required. Um, and there's a lot of things to say. There are two things that seem to pop up that were quite pertinent for this particular time and this particular moment that I hope is helpful for you. And the first one is questions are not just about wanting to gain information. Questions are actually deeply connected to our lived experience. And what do I mean by that? If you take a look at virtually uh, every word, every book in the Bible, every text that is there is actually there to address and to instigate further inquiry, further questions, further desire to want to search uh, past and through mystery and discovery. The Genesis story, for example, is written because people were in a place of exile and they wanted to know is my life valuable? Is our nation worthy? Um, is this how it's always going to be? Is this what God intended and designed it to be? Implicit in the writing of Genesis 1 and 2, and then of course the story all the way through Abraham and uh, the, the stories all throughout Genesis, implicit in the writing is a question behind those writings, which is, why are we here? What are we doing? Is God good? D does my family matter? Um, and then if you just go through the rest of the text, virtually every text that we have is predicated on some line of inquiry or is there to express some line of inquiry. And I thought of a couple, uh, for example, Job and the Psalms. Uh, the book of Job is this incredible story about suffering and uh, where it comes from and uh, how can we think about it? And is there meaning and purpose in all of it? And towards the end, there's this string of questions that kind of answers the question, but it answers the question, is there meaning in suffering, with a series of questions. God essentially says to Job, where were you when the foundations were made? Uh, can you call the morning to rise? And can you put the dawn to bed? Can you explain how the stars were set into the sky? Can you command to the goat to give its milk? Just a series of questions as a way of pushing 
the inquiry, the, the dilemma, the lived experience of pain and suffering further, further uh, into some grounding understanding of the world and the universe. Um, the Psalms ask the questions, um, why do my enemies overtake me? Why do the nations plot in vain? How long, O Lord, um, until you lift me up out of this miry pit? Um, this goes on and on and on. I want to say again, questions are not just about an attempt to try to find more information. Questions in our tradition and in our lived human experience emerge out of a deep connection to our experience. Um, I think that's really appropriate for moments that we've had, unfortunately, quite frequently over the past several years. Questions about our faith. Does it matter anymore? Do I want to teach these same things? What does it actually say? Who is this Jesus whose name seems to be on banners in arenas that I do not approve of? Those questions arise out of a lived experience. And so for us to grapple with questions is to actually engage in a very long tradition of our ancestors uh, in the faith and our human ancestors period of wrestling with very real lived experiences. And so to not ask questions, to not engage in some ways is to kind of live in some sort of fantasy, mystical, non-reality world, because the real world is messy and mysterious and causes pain and suffering. And so asking those questions helps us to engage and helps us to cope and uh, allows us a, a way to interrogate it so that we can find real life and real love uh, and real truth. So. Well, I would just add, I think also in the asking of the question over and over and over again at different points and times of our lives and experiences that um, what I found is that it, it helps me actually um, continue to, to keep Jesus really big and yeah. not made in my own image or in the, in the image or the likeness that I'm most comfortable with, right? But instead to, to try to continue to say, I don't know. I see through a glass darkly, as Paul says, like there, there's always more to know. And I think it's Augustine, right? Who says, if you think that you know, then it is not God you are speaking of, <laughs> right? So there's, there's so much more to constantly um, learn and, and listen and grow and to understand um, and to respect and honor those conversations with one another as well. Yeah. So ask the questions. I, I was just reminded earlier that we, years ago we had um, Pete Enns come and speak about his book, The Sin of Certainty, yeah. um, and that there, that's not faith, right? Certainty is not faith. Um, and, and doubt and faith can go together. That's okay. Even the disciples, after Jesus um, is resurrected from the dead, and he's like, do you believe? And, and he shows up, and they're like, they worshipped him, and some doubted, right? Not just Thomas, but they, they doubted while worshipping. And those things are okay, and you're not going to get voted off the island here at Spark, and we're grateful for all of those um, spaces and questions together. It's so amazing to me. I grew up with that Matthew 28 passage at the very end of the Gospel according to Matthew, and it's the Great Commission. Go off into the world, baptize people, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, make disciples of everybody. I don't think I heard once growing up that phrase, and some doubted, which is right there in the passage too. Um, so. Yeah. So our first question this week that we wanted to tackle, um, and that was part of our, our question, is like, why are we Christian? I think that that's a question that we've been asked by 
by our youngest daughter. Um, like, why are we Christian? How come? Why, why not all of, you know, these other choices that she sees or nothing at all? What is it that drives us um, and continues to keep us uh, as followers as G- of Jesus? And I think that that is actually a really important question this week, too. And maybe you guys even found yourself asking it as you saw the images of Christianity, some of the symbols of Christianity rather sort of co-opted and put into acts of violence. Um, And we thought, is that is that is that Jesus? Is that Christianity? Is there something that I don't know about my text that supports this? Um, you know, how how did people that I would consider brothers and sisters, um, you know, within the Christian movement who would identify at least as Christians, how did they get there? But I'm I'm here saying blessed are the peacemakers, right? So I'm I'm here pursuing this radical nonviolence of Jesus. How how do those things come together? And am I still a Christian? And do I still want to be identified as one when I see the cross um, right next to and in moments of of violence like that? Yeah, can I, and I think it's important. I don't know if you agree with this. I think it's important to tease out how you personally identify and how you publicly uh, present yourself to, mm. because I think there is, there is a huge challenge in, I, I know we've had many talks, many of us about whether or not you want to call yourself a Christian, although you may identify as one because of what the, the term publicly means. The nuances of this obviously are pretty intricate and, and long conversations need to be had about uh, context and what that communicates and how you want to present yourself publicly. But I think it's important that you have, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we all have the freedom uh, and in many ways the prerogative to navigate that and not have to marry everything as one whole and complete thing. So what I don't, do you mean by that? Meaning like if I call myself a Christian, therefore I have to put Christian on Facebook. I have to tell everybody that I'm a Christian. I have um, right that kind of thing, the public face. Well, you know, if you deny him. In public, he will deny you. <laughs> well, I think that's part of, right, this is part of the nuance of the challenge is that if you don't want to publicly present yourself as a Christian, is that the same thing as denying Jesus? Right. <laughs> Says the pastor of a church. So, <laughs> no, it's a good question. Oh, it's good wrestling. No, I think that's good. We should probably go back to our topic, though, which is why are you a Christian? Why are we Christian? Oh, you want me to? Oh, you're... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You can go first. So um, I'm going to answer this in probably the most simple terms. And for me, it's the answer period. Why am I a Christian? And again, I've wrestled with whether or not I want to use that term, but in, in accordance with this, the spirit of this. Says the pastor says of the Spark pa- Church. <laughs> Continue. No, I like it. It's good. <laughs> is that not okay? No, it's totally fine. We are live. I know. <laughs> um, which is Jesus, period. I like many of us, have wrestled deep with the teachings that I grew up with, with the public image and face of Christianity, um, with the various teachings and theologies. And every single time I have struggled and wrestled with my spiritual identity in that sense, man, do I, I am just flat out compelled more and more by the person of Jesus. What that means for me, and it's this kind of this simple, and I I don't know if this is helpful for all of you, but this is just kind of how I process it because this is the question we're wrestling with. When I see the name Jesus on a banner being used in ways that are blasphemous to that name, it's very easy for me to say, that's not 
Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's... Um, Anti-Jesus. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This just came to me. What was that? Um, what was that? Um, was it a deodorant commercial where the the man was like, "Look at your man. Now look at me. Now look back at your man. Now look at me." Right? Something like I can't. That. I can't remember that commercial, but th- that just came to mind now. And I I feel like in many ways, you know, look at that, then look at Jesus, look at that, and then look back at Jesus. Right. right. And part of the work that we um, have a, been pushing forward, working hard at Spark is to just ground people in the life, the ministry, and the teachings of Jesus. Now, that has meant taking a look at Christianity in some ways and asking some deep questions about that. And there's beautiful concert with Jesus and a lot of expressions of Christianity. And then there are moments of dissonance and disharmony. And for all of those moments, Spark is always open and welcome for all those questions. For me, if you asked me, why am I still Christian? It's because I go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, go back to the rest of the passages of the New Testament and say, do you understand what this Jesus did in the first century Mm -hmm. through the historical and cultural lens um, and recognize that the revolution that happened there, and that was a revolution of love and right. compassion and justice and equality and mercy and, and repentance, rec- repentance and, and forgiveness and yeah. recognizing the humanity of every single person. When you go back to that movement and how Jesus and his early disciples radically upended the ways in which people conceived of the world, and that to me... conceived of power. And, and yes. power, yeah. right? T- yeah. Keeping power accountable and saying, and I think I, you know, I'm sure Danielle and I and many of the pastors have mentioned this in previous sermons. Like you, you look at Caesar, you look at Herod, you look at Rome and you go, uh-uh, you are not the establishment of truth and life. Yeah. Um, and so all of this, um, all, all of that just compels me more and more to Jesus. So again, it's pretty yeah. simple for yeah. me. If you ever have questions about whether or not you're a Christian because of what you might happen to see, and and of course, media consumption plays into this, Mm -hmm. what you consume yourself, Mm -hmm. I am not and should not, no Christian should ever be identified by whatever contemporary media says about Jesus. We should be identified by who the person, the historical person of Jesus is as recounted in our sacred texts. And the history that goes with that. It's like there's a verse that says, they'll know you are Christians by your love. It's like there's like some <laughs> song, some verse, some teaching that way that says how we can be known as followers of Jesus. And Jesus says it's being identified by our love, by our yeah. love for one another, by our love for God, by our love for our neighbors, right? All of that together. So how would you That's First answer? of all, that was great. I really liked that answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I the answer is the same for me. Actually, it's just oh, that Nicole says it's the Old Spice commercial. <laughs> thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a good. So, so remember all, that. Google, like YouTube it later. Look on. at that yeah. Jesus. Then look at Jesus. Look at that Jesus. <laughs> now look at Jesus. <laughs> um, I, I want to just uh, reflect on two things you said really quick. It might just be one if I forget the second in a minute. But the first thing I wanted to say was that um, it should not shock and surprise us when we see humans who may follow Jesus or claim to follow Jesus or who don't claim that, we, it, does, it shouldn't shock and surprise us to see people sinning. 
right? This is the point of our story from the beginning of Genesis. Like sin enters the world and then we are all, all of us needing to combat that inclination to do evil with the inclination to do good. We're created with the capacity for both. And so we shouldn't be shocked and surprised when even within the church, the church is, as we all know, not a sin-free zone, right? It's not a zone. It's not some sort of island or community that somehow we, it's live, you guys. And we just, we have um, one of our dogs trying to get into the office and like desperately leaning in. So that's the clawing that you hear, which um, is not, a child. It's just, just an animal. So anyway, <laughs> take care of it. Um, totally forgot what I was saying. Okay, got it. Um, the church is not an island where we expect to not find sin. Jesus never promises that, right? Instead, it's a place where uh, the remedy for sin, and Kevin, you actually preached about this recently. Mm. Um, the remedy for sin, um, it has a different answer than just brutal punishment, right? That there is a place for uh repentance and restoration and making amends and forgiveness and that we see all of that being brought forth through the person for the life and then the life death burial and resurrection of jesus right so um when we see people within our own nation within our own faith within our own church within our own families doing things that we would categorize as sin breaking god's commands um then we go yeah that's, that's kind of why we need Jesus, right? I mean, so it doesn't shock us and it doesn't have to say that then nothing that we believe about Jesus is true because these other people took the name or took took the church or whatever and used it as a tool for violence in this world, right? Um, that's not the first time that's happened. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the last, um, even though it is so uh, heartbreaking to see it when it happens. Okay, so um, back to like, why are we Christian? I, I give the same answer. We're Christian because of Jesus, because we want to actually be disciples, followers, students of Jesus and Jesus's way in this world, the way of love. And that, whether we see that on display for, to me, uh, one of the grounding moments this week has been rereading the Sermon on the Mount, uh, remembering like, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who pursue righteousness, um, blessed are you when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me, right? Rejoice and be glad. Jesus goes through this beautiful Matthew 5, if you haven't read it recently, go back and read it. And in there, there's these things like you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, it's good for nothing, which I thought I thought, yes, like portions of the church have lost its saltiness. It's it's not being used for the intended purpose that Jesus made. Like we aren't shining our light anymore. It's somehow something's going deeply wrong. Um, and so I was th going through and and even reading the verses like, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, but I've come to, I've not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And I tell you truly, if, if any one of you breaks one of the least of these commandments, so I don't know, like thou shalt not kill, right? Um, that thou shalt not lie. Don't bear false witness. These are commandments that shouldn't be broken. And Jesus teaches us to not do that. He teaches us to keep these commandments that are good for all of society. So these teachings of Jesus, um, where he just says, you've heard, don't kill. But I say, don't even say raka to another. Like you were careful with our words, with how we speak for one another, how we uphold one another's humanity. Because the moment that we start to do that, we devolve into now seeing this person 
as othered or different from us. And the whole way of Jesus is constantly reminding us that the other is our sister, our brother, because we are the other too, right? And Jesus brings all to the foot of the cross. So the teachings of Jesus continually persuade me um, to want to be following him. So if you are finding yourself, I think, asking the question, why am I a Christian? Or um, what is it I can do right now to feel a bit more grounded or hopeful in my faith? I would recommend reading the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, finish them, start them back over again, spend some time really listening to the teachings of Jesus and thinking about how those would play out in our way. Um, We live this out at Spark, Um, through actions, and also even through our liturgy. Like every Sunday, we say, what did Jesus teach was the number one commandment? Like, why am I a Christian? Because I want to do this number one commandment. I want to love God with everything I've got. I want to love my neighbor as myself, and even those I might consider my enemy. For we were once enemies of God, and Christ reconciled us to God. Like, we are given that ministry of reconciliation. And if you're not familiar, or you haven't recently read through the explanation of the values at Spark, I highly recommend that you go back and do that as devotional moments too, because it pushes us even further into this way of Jesus. Like, why is reconciliation a value? Does that just sound nice? No, it's because we've been given the ministry of reconciliation by Christ, and we're working through these things in different ways. So we are followers of Jesus, and the way we respond to moments like this, the reason why we're going to be Christians is we're going to continue to put Jesus's words into practice. We're going to continue to push ourselves into the way of love and hope, and then we will be like, as Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on Mount, the people who build their house upon the rock. Um, So the rains will still come. Stormy times will still come. They may still be getting stormier. We might look back on this week and think, oh, that was a light drizzle compared to what's coming. I don't know. I'm not trying to be spooky. I'm just saying the storms we can't control. But we can know who is in charge, who is ultimately in charge. We can know that we're on that boat and it's pretty rocky, but we can call out to Christ and we can call out to one another. We can pray and we can continue to pursue the way of love. So my prayer for us is that we will continue to go in the way of Jesus, that we're going to continue to push forward, um, to go out this week, to find somebody to bless, to be an instrument of hope and love, to continue to find ways to reach out to one another and follow Jesus in Jesus' steps that we'd be known by our love for one another. And then I would just like to say um, that I, I feel very deeply that we'll continue to walk in the voices of the prophets that Jesus also learned from, right? So the book of Micah that we say so often, like Micah 6, 8, God has told you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Um, these things that we do, whether it's on a street corner in Palo Alto, silently protesting racial injustice, Um, whether it is showing up for one another in a toy drive, um, whether it is showing up for being hands and feet of Jesus in all sorts of ways, we're going to continue to pursue this way of Jesus and of God. So is there uh, anything else you want to add to that of why we are pursuing the way of Jesus? I hope that wherever you might happen to be, the challenge of a wonderfully diverse congregation is that um, there's people in our congregation, in our community, in our family that are feeling all sorts of different feels. And I just hope that wherever you might happen to be, please know how much all of you and all of your feels are welcomed here. And that the way of Jesus that we are attempting to articulate and put into practice is attempting to welcome and embrace the fullness of your humanity in weeks like these and in non-weeks like these. I think the only last thing 
that I wanted to say, it's an axiom that I like to live by, is that the opposite of fear is not courage, but curiosity. Mm -hmm. I have uh, come to believe this more and more. And I think that over the course of the next several uh, weeks and maybe even months ahead, um, and for other times and for other reasons, fear is always going to be that deep concern. Uh, Fear is always going to be that emotion that drives us, that captivates us, that holds us uh, hostage in many ways. And it is our hope that as we go through this series, when a child asks and we ask uh, a a myriad of questions, uh, both big philosophical and grounded practical questions, um, that that helps to quell some of our fear and to embrace love and hope and imagination uh, in our in our faith. The opposite of fear is not courage, but it is curiosity. Um, and maybe you are um, uncertain. You're starting to feel like, I don't know if, if uh, th- this particular expression, do I fit here anymore? Am I, uh, am I a Christian? Am I a follower of Jesus? Like whatever series of concerns that you have, as Danielle was mentioning, going back to the original text and asking the question, so what did Jesus actually teach? What really was there? What tradition am I really a part of? Just asking that question alone can help to quell your fear and ground you in the most transformative faith in the history of the world, um, this faith of following Jesus. Uh, Yeah, and I just like to say that, um, you know, we've worked actually really hard at Spark to make sure that you belong whether or not you believe. Um, And that doesn't have to mean only It's a place for people who are curious about the way of Jesus and fully committed to the way of Jesus, all of the above. Um, So we're going to continue to create that that space because we think in Christ all are welcome at the table, and that's what we see in the person of Jesus. Um, I'd like to just end on a couple notes. First of all, I see some wonderful comments that you guys are having, and I'm really grateful for them. Earlier today, um, Kevin and I were, we kind of wrestle and debate about a lot of these different things together, and it, it's always, it's almost always very life-giving. And, <laughs> and, in, <laughs> and in that conversation earlier today, I said to him, listen, it's not my problem if some people are going to go out and claim the name of Jesus. I mean, it's my problem, but like if they go out and they claim the name of Jesus and also are doing violent acts, that doesn't make it so that I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. Right. It makes me have to double down on the way that I follow Jesus. It makes me have to speak out prophetically to that, um, to continue to teach to it. But I'm not going to stop following Jesus because some other people are sinning. I'm not going to let them take the name um, when it belongs in this text and in this story. And it belongs to a first century Jew. Right. Um, th- this this story is is our story and we don't have to just release it to the chaos. Um, We can continue to mold it and identify it here. Um, This love, this Jesus love, this sacrificial other loving way is the way of hope for all of us. Uh, Jesus spoke of love most consistently the closer he got to the cross. The way of love is the way of sacrifice. It's picking up your cross. It's selfless love. It's pursuing the good of your neighbor and the good of your enemy. Um, The way of love is the only way forward for us in these moments. And the way of Jesus, the way of this Jesus love is the only way forward for us in this moment to pursue justice and truth and reconciliation. Now, in case what you hear me saying is, let's just all sing kumbaya with people who are bent on violence and destruction and evil. That's not what I mean. I just mean that 
fighting that power and that evil with more anger and more violence and ratcheting it up is not the Jesus way. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the Jesus way, what Dr. Martin Luther King called the beloved community, the pursuit of nonviolence, which by the way, if you're looking for something to do on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, there are some amazing, incredible online workshops for kids as well as for adults on pursuing and practices for the nonviolent, beautiful community, beloved community that you can join in. You can find that at the King Center. Uh, maybe we'll put the link in the email this week. Um, but I want to just kind of close with uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu, who loves... Jesus, obviously, right, um, had this beautiful quote and led South Africa through the Truth and Reconciliation Project following apartheid. He said this, forgiving and being reconciled to our enemies or our loved ones is not about pretending that things are other than they are. It's not about patting one another on the back and turning a blind eye to the wrong. Truth, true reconciliation exposes the awfulness of the abuse, the hurt, and the truth. It is a risky undertaking but in the end it is worthwhile oh i missed it think it could so truth true reconciliation exposes the awfulness the abuse the hurt and the truth it could even sometimes make things worse it is a risky undertaking but in the end it is worthwhile because in the end only an honest confrontation with reality can bring real healing this is the kind of love we're talking about when we say we are going to love our enemies um, and Bishop Tutu finishes with superficial reconciliation can only bring superficial healing. And I, I think a lot of what we're seeing rise up has been actually as a result of not real truth and reconciliation about our history, about what we've done, about the role the church has had in it. We had Jamar Tisby come and speak about that recently. He'll come again in February to speak again. Um, so we just want to continue to hold that the way of Jesus is not a way of just letting everybody walk all over you. It's a way that um, turns the kingdom upside down and continues to pursue love and the goodness for our neighbor and yes, even our enemy by bringing truth and reconciliation and then opening the door for um, for forgiveness and, um, and, and coming back into the community. There are probably a lot of people who are very disillusioned this week who were part of that movement on Wednesday part of the violence even, and they might be very, very disillusioned. Is there a place for them at the table of Jesus? Is Jesus willing to bring the zealots to the table? And are they willing Are they willing to listen to this message of Jesus that requires us to live very differently, sacrificially? So we're going to continue to pursue the way of Jesus for that. There's a lot of reasons why we're Christian, but that's kind of like scratching the surface. And it is honestly how I would answer it to my six-year-old. I would say, we're Christian because of Jesus, because we believe he, his example is the best human way to live in this world, this way of love. And we're going to continue to pursue that. And every week we participate in communion together. So if you have your elements, you are welcome to grab those. And we will um, end this particular time with communion together. Another exemplification, uh, a symbol, a tradition, a practice that we have that reminds us of the truth of everything that we just talked about uh, embodied in this physical form of communion of the bread and the juice or the wine that we take together. For in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, 
which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The body and the blood of Christ, which is broken and shed for all of you, my friends, um, we will partake in communion as Junior leads us in one more song, and then I'll be back with some closing announcements uh, as we end our time.